As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. All right, here we go. Uh, welcome, everybody, whether you are uh, watching this live on Facebook here on the This Is Bracket Racing page, or we're also uh, loading this up to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast podcast feeds, whether you're watching or listening. Welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Um, it's story time Friday. And uh, the goal, this is the second time that we've done this, but the goal, especially in these times, is to kind of reconnect racers during you know this uncertain time that we're in and to give us something to to cling to like some sense of normalcy perhaps a little bit of entertainment maybe just a pleasant distraction from the current reality and uh, my guest today thank you for joining us the one the only uh troy williams jr troy as just about anybody tuning into this knows arguably the most accomplished and winningest Big Dollar Bracket Racer in Big Dollar Bracket Racing history. Um, so, T-Dub, thank you for joining us. And I guess, while I don't want to dedicate much of this conversation to current events, I feel like we got to start there. Like, how are you doing and how is the coronavirus situation in, impacting you personally? Well, not getting to go to racetracks, the biggest impact on me personally. But uh, as far as FTI goes, man, we're open for business. That Everything's been surprisingly busy uh on the sales end of it the common consensus is you know we're stuck at home so we don't have anything else to do let me get some parts and fix up the race car i imagine that whenever we do get to go back racing it's going to be the most prepared as a as a family as a group that racers have ever been by far <laughs> because that's uh, everyone i talk to that's all they're doing is getting everything ready and going cabin you know cabin fever so crazy wanting to get out but yeah man personally it's a uh, it just not getting to go to the tracks been the, the biggest impact on, on me. You know, um, I had a really full schedule this year. I was trying to incorporate all, all NHRA, a full schedule of NHRA, as well as all the big money bracket races. And um, I, to say that's going to be a juggling act or nearly impossible, uh, 
I really, I was looking at it today. If we get the start back in June, I think I might be able to pull it off, save maybe one division race or something, but that's also going to depend on when all the, all the 50 granders and bigger get rescheduled for, you know? Yeah, no doubt. It, it's definitely, if things go according to plan right now, we're best case scenario going to be compacting a, what's normally what a 10 month season probably for you into six, maybe, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, it's definitely going to be a juggling act. And to your point, when we do hit the track again, yeah, there's no excuse if you're not prepared. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I definitely think people have been on this is bracketracing.com studying everything they can playing every practice tree race gimmick, any exercise, anything they can do. If they're like you said, they're not ready. They're not going to be ready. (laughs) <laughs> I agree. Um, again, the, the idea behind today is, uh, is Storytime Friday, and you're one of my favorite storytellers. I tend to regurgitate a lot of your stories, so I, I've, uh, yeah. But uh, I think the logical place to start and where I wanted to go with this with, with a handful of our guests is I want to go back in time, which it's hard for me to believe now. It's 20 plus years ago. I want to go back to what I, I think you would still have to classify as your biggest win, just because I think it's interesting now to look back on it so far removed and just think about how the landscape has changed, if nothing else. So we're going to go back in time to 1998, but I guess maybe preface the story a little bit by telling me where were you in life leading up to October 98? Like what's going on in the life of Troy Jr.? Are you what, in your mid-20s at that point? Yeah, I, uh, I actually had been running around racing for a guy named Ronnie Simone for like probably four years leading into that and been very successful at a local level and what little bit we traveled, which I mean, back then there was not a ton of stuff even worth traveling to in the mid nineties. I mean, it was pre the B&M series. Um, I had actually 98, I'd started running the B&M series, but leading up to it, the B&M series was really, really new and fresh. And I would hit some of them that were geographically close I was going to Stanton's race and Piedmont had a thing called the Top Gun Classic we went to quite a bit. But all in all, we stayed pretty close to Florida. And um, Ed Richardson approached me and, and really gave me my first big opportunity to go um, race. I mean, I'd driven Scotty and Emma's stuff some, but as far as actually saying, you know, here's a car dedicated to you, come on, take it, we're going to go race, that was he had just given, you know, set me up with that ride that year and actually gave me the opportunity to pay half of my entry fee for half the money. And I was so chicken, I declined <laughs> at the million, but uh, I'd won a lot leading into it. It was just it, the $1,000, especially back then was a real big deal. And, you know, I, I didn't do it, but uh, yeah, Ed had given me the opportunity. We go up there. I took my buddy, Bobby Jester with me and, uh, anybody who people that know him will understand what I'm saying but um let's put it this way it's it's hard to get real nervous or serious when Bobby's around he's very lighthearted. takes uh makes some comments that really just takes the pressure off and makes you remove yourself from the immediate situation and one of the funniest things that happened when we were there my my now boss Greg Samuel we were parked next to each other and uh whenever Bobby was being Bobby. He's probably about, I don't know, at that point, probably two 12 packs in or 12 pack and a half anyway. And uh, Greg's a crew guy, very intense guy, checked everything really on top of it. You know, Greg's also, you can guarantee that car was very well prepared and, and everything was checked to a T when they pulled up there. 
So Bobby's sitting there and, and uh, Greg's guy goes to check his front tires prior to going to the stage lanes for the first round of the million. And Bobby looks at me and he, go, he goes, is he serious? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, man, he's serious. They're serious. You know what? No, nothing wrong with checking your tires. And he goes, what do you want to dial this bucket? <laughs> we're still in the state. We're still in the pits. We're not in the stage lanes at all. It, it, uh, he, he goes, I said, I don't know. He goes, oh, you went four, five flat and 499. I was like, all right. He goes, 501. I said, no, you ain't going to dial it a 501. You know, so you're going to dial it a flat or a three. And now Greg's guy, his crew guy, is sitting there listening to this whole conversation. And he is looking at us like, are you stupid? You know, and so Bobby obviously put the three on it. We were never just out what we can run. And uh, went up there rolling through the race. And <laughs> as it goes along, we end up getting down to the split. Won't bore you with all the details, but we end up getting getting to the point where they're talking about the money. And this, this is the guy who's never serious, right? I call him over there and I'm like, hey man, I said, what do you think? He looked at me and he goes, well, what do I think? You're in so far over my head, I can't even tell you. And I was like, uh, so you have no input on this? Close his hands up and walks off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so I'm left to deal with that totally by myself, which I made a I made one decision Ed didn't like. I included somebody in the split that he didn't think should have been in it at the at the end of the day. But um, was that anyway, there we, with you or no? Uh, no, he was not there with me. And I tried to call him and he didn't answer. And that's another funny part of the story at the end of it here. So anyhow, freaking go out there. Long story short, had a great race with Brian Robson in the semis and end up winning the race. Come back and everybody's getting in the picture and everything. Well, I'm back loading everything up at the trailer. So we're loading stuff up. Bobby goes, hey, man, I, I got to talk to you. I'm like, okay. And he's trying, there's still people all gathered around the trailer. You know? He's pulling me to the side. So I go walking over there and go, what's up, Bobby? He goes, it's, it's not stolen, I don't think. And it's, I think it's just lost. I'm like, what are you talking about? He, he goes, the Cub, the Cub, the mini bike. I'm like, you lost my mini bike? And he goes, I just don't know where it's at. Well, then about that time, Shane Carr comes riding up on it. He found it by the by the beer tent, Bobby that drank all the beer he brought was over there buying more. <laughs> so anyhow, we get we get everything loaded up, ready to roll. And, and I still have been trying to call Ed with no luck. I finally get a hold of him. So I was like, hey man, he goes, I won. And Bobby's going, woo, yelling like I'm talking about Ric Flair in the background, right? And, uh, and Ed goes, tell him to shut up, man. He goes, you win a 10 grand or every other week. It ain't that big a deal. And I said, Ed, I won the million. He goes, hold on. And you, he was at a drive-thru with a bunch of people in the car. And you could hear, like, the window go up. And he goes, say that again? I said, I won the million. He goes, well, that's a little different. You tell that bastard to holler. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so and that was that's pretty much the recap of the, the million victory there. The, the spectacle was indeed the spectacle at that point. What um... – so this was this was the third annual million, if I'm not mistaken. Had yeah, you been to either the, the prior ones at that point, or was that I, your? I didn't first? go to the first one because I didn't think it would happen. <laughs> right. I thought it was one of those races that we always heard about that never really never really happened. But I did go to the second one and the third one. I obviously went everyone since, but I went. I was from the second one forward. And I believe you won the last one that was ever at Huntsville, right? Uh, 
I'm pretty sure that the next year was Sherman. That was, so. that was Montgomery because that's the first one I went to. Probably did. Yeah, who won that one? Was that Stephen Sherman. Hughes? Sherman. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that was definitely Montgomery. Yep. Yeah. What um, you said you ran uh, run Brian in the semis. Who did you run in the finals at Newberry? Yeah, Newberry with the Dodge. Right. Yeah. And and he he dialed the car something that I mean we've been obviously paying pretty close attention. Something I was pretty confident he couldn't run and. Uh, that was, I stacked the box and I was more nervous about stacking the box than anything in life. You know, you know how I hate Not that. your style. Yeah. <laughs> no. And I, <laughs> I felt like I had to with what was on the line and knowing that there was, I just put him in the slow lane and he went, he went like two over whatever it was dialed in the left lane. And I put him in the right and he dialed down one. <laughs> so he, he dialed like three harder than he just ran. So I was, like I said, fairly confident that he wouldn't be able to run the dial, but it worked out anyway. <laughs> and what, if I remember correctly, like that was the culmination of just an amazing season, right? I mean, you kind of, you were pretty dominant throughout 98 or am I? Yeah, 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 I did. I did very well that year. Um, I, I would say the biggest thing after that was I won overall at Moroso as well that year. That's right. So I won, yeah. a, million, I won a million and Moroso the same season, which, I mean, at the time, the million was even probably, I feel like was even a bigger deal because there wasn't, any, there was nothing else you know that was it was in a total league by itself as opposed to well you know there's a $250,000 race and there's a race that's called the million that'll pay 375 and now there's a race that pays 500 oh wait now we got two real million dollar races but back then it was 10 granders or 200 <laughs> you know there was sure. not a lot in between and uh, other than that I mean Moroso back then was like winning a world championship on us in, in its own right you know that was my, you know, like some people that grow up around NHRA, Indy's their deal. Moroso was always my deal. That was what I really wanted to accomplish. And doing both of those in, in one season was like, just unbelievable for me. Yeah. Sure. No, I was actually thinking that this morning, thinking, you know, I, I, in my mind, the million was even bigger then than it is now. Not bigger in terms of car, bigger in terms of money, but just more prestigious just because it was the only one, you know? It was oh, I, I, I really... I, I feel like I feel like the it, it was just like whenever there was only ten granders to win a ten grander, you know, you were somebody, or or whenever there was a first, you know, a few twenties, you know, like um, Stanton's, I think original big money race, I think the very originally, I mean, back I know Butler and Randy ran in the final of it, Randy Falk and Tim Butler ran in the final of it, way back when it was a twenty, because I've seen the pictures of the cars and the checks, you know, I, I probably I probably wouldn't have known about it just because. Bracket races weren't really covered in National Dragster, and I ran National Dragster like every week. Palm Beach was, but not, you know, not a normal bracket race or even a big money bracket race. But um, yeah, whenever whenever it was an anomaly, it was the it was the biggest thing on the planet. It was definitely a lot more noted and prestigious than just being in it. It's like whenever you used to win a fifty grander, it was a huge deal. But now there's 15, 20, 50 granders a year. What difference? Yeah, you know? hey, I got one a fifty grander. Oh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> No, it's bad to say how uh, how normalized we've made that, but I agree. I agree. What um, I'm curious, just because I know you've been close on a handful of occasions since, specifically in the million, and then you've been right there beside your brother winning it twice. Like, is the is the feel any different maybe today than it was in '98? Like staging for first round, even or or oh. or in the winter circle. You know, what I mean, does it seem like a different deal? I think with me as a person, yes, it's obviously different. Um, just the, the repetition of doing it and, and being 
in the semis, you know, I've semi twice and obviously won it. The one time that whenever Gary, Gary won, he beat me at four and you even got a part of that silliest deal ever in racing, I think, but it was cool. <laughs> it was real cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, I, yeah, I think just the, the fact of racing so much and so many big races and, and being on the stage, I don't get the, you know, used to, man, the, the million, just when you pulled in the gate, you can feel the tension, you know, and I'm sure some people still feel that way, you know, um, but yeah, for me personally, it's, yeah, I mean, it's lost a lot of excitement, but I mean, I still, it's something that, you know, is an obvious goal, dream to win it at any time, at any point. I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but the amount of money it's paying right now is life-changing money. It's life-changing money to me, for sure, you know? <laughs> what was the advertised but, purse the year that you won? It was it was advertised. It was supposed to be 200000 They made it 201000 because um, the Brickyard or whatever was whatever NASCAR race was that weekend was had the biggest advertised NASCAR person. It was two hundred grand, and, and George Howard wanted to pay more than NASCAR. And it actually was on a little blurb in USA Today that, like, a, in USA Today, I, I have it somewhere. But, really? Yeah. That, you know, the drag, you know, bracket race in Huntsville, Alabama pays more than NASCAR's crown jewel or something. <laughs> it's pretty neat. Uh, yeah, that's, that's cool stuff. The, um, and I mean, I, I, I tend to agree with you. Like, I feel like all of it's become a little bit more normalized, but I still think, like, the day of, million dollar Saturday like there's still an electricity in the air that is difficult to match like I compare that to Monday at Indy and I don't know that there's much else in our sport that has that feel to it I I can't wait until the the actual guaranteed million Rick Cummings guaranteed million I I can't imagine what that's going to feel like because you know you talk about life-changing money you know you realistically if the race pays 300 grand the best you can hope to walk away with it's probably 175, 150, realistically. Yeah, if if it pays a million, then I see no reason that if I'm involved, that we're not going to try to get half a million. You know, I mean, splitting up another half a million is plenty good pay. <laughs> I agree. I'm I'm interested to see how that goes down because I could absolutely see, especially with the caliber racers there, at paying half a million or more. You know, take home sure. to the winner. Right. I could also see if the the right people or the wrong people, however you want to worded are, are in there late like i could see that getting hacked to pieces in the winter time. racing for a soda pop grand or something right yeah yeah <laughs> so i i i definitely i'm with you i can see it both ways and and easily see it both ways like if, if my brother or i or no telling what underwood will do but the group that we run around with i mean we pretty much we're not going to win less than half of the person like that if it's a 50 grander we're getting at least 25 or there's not going to be a deal i mean we just we didn't come we didn't come to break even. We didn't come to cover expenses. We come to try to win something, you know? I mean, yeah, I, I get it that, and it's more of a hobby now to me than it's ever been in my life. Before I really had to make money. It wasn't a matter. I mean, I couldn't just cover expenses. I had to make money, but um, it's just, it's bred into me. If you're going to win, win something. I mean, I, I didn't come to race for the trophy for sure. You know? <laughs> yep. No, obviously we share the same mindset. What, um, all right. So I want to, I want to get into some more just pure entertainment. So I've got a couple in mind. I'm going to tee you up, but more or less, oh like I, I want to, I want to let this roll. So can you give me, I've got one in mind, but I think if I just tee it up, like you can go whichever direction you want and this will be good. Give me a bluebird story. 
uh, well, probably the most obvious one was, um, so Scotty and Edmund were coming, they were coming to Braden to pick up a dragster that, a uh, brand new car or whatever. And it was per any chassis builder for the most part late. And we were trying to get it done. And I was in there just giving him a hand, you know, just helping, helping him throw it together. And we this ended up getting Hollis. Yeah. Uh -huh. Hollis car. And, uh, we ended up getting out to the track and Edmund had told me that I could run the, the Camaro Firebird. I don't even know what it was at the time, to be honest with you. I think Scotty had just won super gas with it, maybe something, but he told me I could run it because I mean, I had no race car at the time. So anyhow, we start unloading stuff and, and, uh, Scotty goes up to make his first run. Well, we'd put the, the carburetor was on their undercover car. It was a reverse, was a backwards mount on the Mullis car was forward mount. So he had the slosh tubes in the wrong end. So, he wastes his first run. We're working on that thing, changing it. I go download the, the Camaro, Fiber, whatever you want to call it, the fridge. And its first year it was painted slick 50, so it's probably a probably a Firebird then. And uh, Scotty goes, man, I don't know what that thing's going to do. Wide open, are they going to let you run on the stop? I was like, why would I run on the stop? He goes, well, you're probably good. And, I mean, keep in mind, this is early 2000s, if not late 90s, right. one of the two. Um, he uh, that, that thing, I mean, it's it's fast, it's and it's faster than it should be. I was like, well, what, what do you think? He goes, we just had to ever run it wide open. I don't know what it's going to do. And I was like, it, and it paid, I paid five grand to win either class, no box or super pro. And uh, I said, man, I'll just, I said, I'll just run the van. And Edmund, they both looked at me like, you run the van. <laughs> let's let's preface the Bluebird is the van. Tell me what yeah. is, what is the van? The van is a E350, or I'm sorry, E150 club wagon. Manny and all of them always try to call it a Connor line. It was not the Connor line. It was a club wagon. It had a bunch of seats. Did it right. and stuff in. <laughs> yeah. Had all the, had windows all the way around a bunch of seats. It wasn't no, but no freaking Connell line. But what, what kind of, what kind of eighth mile times were we turning in the Bluebird? Oh, no, it was quarter then. Oh, okay. What kind of quarter mile times were we turning <laughs> oh, yeah, in? Yeah, quarter, 1970s, 1980s. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Right. So we don't uh, need the fridge. We got the Bluebird. We got the Bluebird. Well, I ended up winning the, winning the five grander in it. And in the picture, it's, uh, it's count, I mean, you could count the world championships, right? It's Edmund Richardson, Ed Richardson, Scotty, me, Shane Carr, and Gary were in the, all in the photo <laughs> with this van holding a $5,000 check. It was, that was, that was pretty comical. There's numerous times that we loaded as many people. So Lakeland, one of the local tracks, you could have as many co-riders as you had seatbelts. This is the story I had in mind. All right, let's yeah. go. <laughs> so Rod Johnson is riding co-rider co with me, and we've loaded everybody in there, and everybody has to wear a helmet but me. I'm driving. Driver don't have to wear a helmet, just the passengers. I have no idea where they got these rules, but it was the rules. And they didn't have many at Lakeland. There's not many rules, but this was a rule. But that was one. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we're, we're out there riding, and Manny gets in the – in the like there was two two captain's chairs and and then a big bench seat right so he gets in one of the captain's chairs like when if i look to my right to judge somebody i'm looking at manny well manny is sitting there in a open face helmet with his big portuguese ass like <laughs> hard to look at him and keep a straight face i would imagine oh man with a half shell on right well obviously at a time shot i don't look back so first round we roll up up there I get in, leave, and Rod, and Rod looks at me, he's like 30, you know, whatever, trying to guess on what the tree was. I was like, cool. I turn around and look, and there's Manny. I just start laughing, and Rod's like, brakes, brakes, brakes. 
we come back for the, I told we come back for the next round. I'm like, look, man, hey, you you got to move somewhere. <laughs> if I'm going to have any chance of, of doing anything in this race and judging anybody, you're going to have to move from right there, buddy, because there's no way I can look at you and your big old pie face and, and drive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah there's a bunch of other ones the bluebird she she rounded like uh we took it around the atlanta motor speedway to rockingham oval track um bristol it, it rounded like three nascar ovals won a bunch of drag races manny won a bnm race and had a five grand b and m race it was a it was an epic vehicle i got to say that for for being a, for being a club wagon <laughs> Not an econo line. Not an econo line. <laughs> uh, I, I, I love to, I feel like, rightfully so, you are your brother's biggest fan, biggest advocate. I wanted to pull on that thread just a little bit because I've heard the best Gary Williams stories I've ever heard have come from you. So I'm thinking along the lines of, like, I, if I remember right, there was a final round at Bradenton in which he staged and never broke the beams in a forward motion uh Mm -hmm. there was a time i think at muncie where like the the electric shifter broke and he come up with some macgyver stuff just on the spot that i know several people have done since but i don't think anyone would have thought of in the moment the way that he did like whatever you want to roll through there i I think it speaks to his out his mindset and his uh, ingenuity i guess well we won't talk about how he folded like everybody does against peter in the pros versus joe race that we won't talk about that the whole field <laughs> folded in the pros versus Joe's race. Let's be honest. <laughs> no, I got, I got. There was. It, it, I thought it would be a lot more impressive, but the the way it, the way everyone faced Peter specifically was just really disappointing. Because you got to believe he's going to be the toughest adversary there. I would. I would think he would be, especially on a practice tree on the tree. That's huge strength, right? I agree. And and nobody put down anything good beside him, you know, but. Regardless, I, I thought Corey overall probably over besides Peter did the best. I mean, he, he deserved to be there. I thought. Yeah, I agree. So anyway, the 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 deal. Gary had a Nova that we actually he drove to high school. Um, it ran well. Wide open, it ran like twelve seventies. But back then, you were allowed to stutter or whatever. I mean, stutter boxes were legal and everything. And he used to he used to stutter at the whatever the twelve ninety nine, whatever the slowest you could go in the category was, which. Uh, no, no other reason just, than just to get the clean tree because back then you had to cross, literally cross. They both didn't light at the same time. So he never had to deal with that. He always hit his side. So we're at the beach all day and we have the have the jet skis and we're like, man, we got to go race, you know? So we haul ass to the track, which my I was driving for Ronnie at the time. So my car was in a trailer parked at the track. So we go there, unload everything, race. Gary ends up in the final. And it was the first top bowl final I think he'd been in. I mean, he was probably 16, you know. And uh, he rolls up there. If it wasn't the first, it was one of the first. He'd won some bottom bulb stuff, but not on the top. And he had just had the he had the delay box plugged into a trailer plug and had the had a green turbo action button he held and would just throw it when he let go, you know. Just turn it loose and let her go. Well, he rolls out there in the final. <clears throat> He's running a dude in a dragster three lights and you hear him go to the popper and that just lets off as like the last yellow lights and he rolls rolls forward real slow puts it in reverse and backs up and we're all standing behind the starting line at, you know if you haven't been to Braden and it's has a lot of room behind the starting line so everybody stands back there and watches once everybody pulls around the corner 
he backs up between the water and actually just puts down the track and we're sitting there I mean my dad everybody were like what was that he just rolls down the window and goes I missed it drove off like that was it man missed it I gave up my dad's like he could have went red he could have he was like Gary was like 50 or 60 not even on the chip so he didn't miss it that bad <laughs> right I want he was probably been 30 maybe 40 but <laughs> no i just th- i love that story because i feel like it speaks to the mindset it's not like i don't want to get away with winning like i want to beat the hell oh. out of everybody here and that's oh, how yeah, he's always yeah. been right and that yeah and that deal you're talking about with the shifter so whenever he was it the, the actual uh, the shifter didn't break what oh whenever he staged <clears throat> whenever he staged he hit the button and the car backed out he slapped it in the second gear and rolled in so he didn't get timed out and then freaking let go and then pulled it low and chipped it. Because he come back and I, I mean, I could tell it just like it backed up, but then he rolled way in and and won the round and come back. I was like, what happened? He goes, it, it backed out. So I just put it in high gear. I was like, well, how did the training break work? And he goes, I pulled it back and low. <laughs> <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and just the ingenuity to think all of that in the moment. Cause you just think about, think through that at home for a second, like the foot action that has to go on opposite from normal right to actually hold the car into the beams let go of the switch pull it into low then chip it let go of the brake yeah like there's way too much going on there (laughs) that was one of the that was one of the more impressive things i've seen him do between him and underwood i've seen some pretty impressive stuff (laughs) macgyver there the first uh not only the first well the first time i ever ran 890 uh was uh there was a national event at i train national event at Braden, and i had fukui in the final and <clears throat> Underwood's helping me the whole time, taught me into doing it. I wasn't even going to do it, but he's like, man, you can stutter. You can stutter. I'm like, I'm not putting a throttle stop on for this shit, you know? And uh, he runs the, runs the wire to my three-step, puts a 4,000 chip in it. I make a time shot and go 888 first lap. Like, like, like I was like 410, 010, whatever, freaking 888. I can do this, you know? So rolling through the deal, I'm up there and, I, you know, the, I'm a bracket racer. I ain't waiting on them to call me back. I just roll back up there, you know? So I'm up there like half hour early <laughs> before the final. And we're just sitting there talking. It's me, him, and Stanley Albright Jr. And Stanley is looking at the car and he goes, Troy, 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 pointing at the carburetor. And I'm like, the freaking accelerator pump, the roll pin for it had fallen out and the accelerator pump arm was laying in the manifold. And Fuquay just pulls up and they're telling us to pull up. Like, about the same time and i'm like uh you know what don't know what to do and under stanley goes i got one and he takes off on foot running like hauling ass in the pit area like he's going to get there on foot knock a roll pin out of a carburetor you know it's not gonna happen underwood sitting there looking around and you know the badge for the credentials with the big pin on it big safety pin he takes this off of his freaking bill puts it through you're good, buddy. Um, I like said there with Kitty under Kitty Underwood credential waving off the carburetor <laughs> for the win, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the uh, it makes me think of uh, I I know you were there when we uh, when we swapped motors in Tim Archer's car between like fifth and sixth round of the fifty at Stanton, and uh, Underwood played a big role in that too, as we're like literally the whole thing happens in like twenty five minutes. And we get the car started and there's there's literally a pair waiting on him that ended up not waiting on him, long story there, but 
and and they fire the car up and somebody's like get the timing light get the timing light and somebody says we don't have time for that and underwood's got his hand on the distributor and he's like just by ear right about there and we send him archer goes up there and they come back you know an hour later and check the timing it's within like two degrees where it's supposed to be sounds like him yeah just <laughs> right I had there. A, perfect he, he was driving my car at um fuquay's race the u.s open at indy and he had he actually had gary may i want to say it was the quarters of the semis it was late and uh I had a belt drive distributor and he come back from a run, good run one comes back and it just starts like misfiring like crazy. Then he shuts it off and we're checking everything. I, I thought it broke a rotor. So check the rotor. We pull the valve covers. I mean, we couldn't figure it out. So then I just bump it around. I had to do the cap off. I bump it around the timing and it was like way off, but the distributor was tight. I was sitting there trying to figure it out and they're up there. And I'm like, I said, I don't know, man. Just, I said, just, Pull up there and see if he wants to do a deal. So Kenny starts it up and it sounds like shit. We're parked right next to the right next to the stage alliance. So he coasts up there and Gary's looking at it. And uh he said, he said, something wrong with that thing? I was like, Yeah. He goes, throws his jacket on top of the car, fix it. <laughs> like, matter of fact, he wasn't he wasn't gonna have it. He wanted it fixed. He was gonna whoop under one. So Kenny just grabbed it, he just grabbed the rotor and went click, click. Turned to like click, slipped it on the belt back to the right. And I'm like, man, there ain't no way this is going to work. And I want to say Kenny put down like 12 and lost something like that. He put, <laughs> he was, he was double O dead on. Gary may beat him. I know that for sure. <laughs> Not only was there no question in Kenny's mind, he had it fixed. There was no question in Gary's mind. He got it fixed. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah. No doubt. I had, I had all kinds of questions. I'm thinking, oh man, they're going to, this thing's going to blow up. <laughs> We're going to tow this thing back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man. Um, all right. Well, I mean, we got as much time as we want. Like, we could cut this off, but I, I don't know if there was anything else that sticks to mind. Like, when I say, like, what's the funnest story you could tell? Because I know you got a bunch of them, but I don't know if there's anything that jumps out to you. I don't know if there's anything that jumps out that I'd be allowed to share. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know what the Facebook guidelines are, but we're pretty lax. So. <laughs> um. I got a pretty good one that I'm sure that there's several of your students that can learn from the ones that are in relationships or married, probably not, but, um, this is a really, this is a really good one. Just if you guys ever end up in a situation, I want you to remember this. So a bunch of us go to the bar. Full, at, full disclosure. I have no idea where we're going here. <laughs> I know. I know. You, you might though. <laughs> a bunch of us go to the bar. We're playing pool, hanging out. And there was a group of girls playing with us about like three, three or four chicks. And, I don't know who the guys they were. I don't know that they were with guys, but I don't know if they were boyfriends, husbands, brothers, uncles, dads, cousins. I have no idea, but they were with a bunch of dudes. <clears throat> well, we finally just, we finished eating and, you know, we had drinking everything. And the people are, what? They're wanting to go back to the track. So I said, hey, we're going to go back to track, play cornhole, drink beer, play flip cup. You guys want to come? Yeah. I said, well, hell, we got motorhome right out. We drove a motorhome there. So we got a motorhome right out here, load up, we're gonna go back. So when we go back, I we're we'll curling down the road at Stanton. That's not far from the little bar we went to 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 the track. And I see these two cars coming in. There's not much traffic on this road. And the one girl's like, like looking out the window and she's like, Oh, that's such and such. And I'm like, Oh, all right. So they go wheeling up to the gate, security guy, he's checking everybody's armband. I showed an armband, said, Hey, them guys following us, they don't have armbands. 
Security guy wouldn't let him in, turn him around, get out of there. <laughs> Just think if you're ever in that situation, it works real well. <laughs> there you go, guys. Take your notes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, T-Dub, thank you for joining us. Um, I'm just going through the, uh, the Facebook comments here. I think I asked the handful of questions that was brought up, but that's good stuff, man. I, uh, I appreciate your time here and sharing some. And I didn't even stuff. mention AJ Ash. That's unbelievable. <laughs> All right. You got an AJ story or was that more of a poke at me? <laughs> no, no, no. I just... Um, I definitely have AJ stories. We were riding around, and AJ used to ride all over the country with me for about, I don't know, a year, year and a half. And uh, we pull up. He tells me that he tells me he's going to take a shower going down the road. Well, I really wasn't paying attention to whether he was in or out the shower. And I've heard this one too. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I need I need fuel. So I changed lanes, hit the brakes, and I mean, not knowing that he was in the shower, imagining his tall ass in the shower at this point, trying to stand up as we decelerate to a light, take off around the corner, pull up to the deal. I jump out, stick fuel pumps in, I'm sitting there getting fuel, and there's a what you would imagine a lady trucker would look like. She comes walking up, and AJ comes walking out in a towel brushing his teeth, a towel only, brushing his teeth. And this, this lady is just staring at him like it, AJ, I was, he's like, man, I was trying to stand up in the shower. He had the brakes throwing me around everywhere. He goes, I had to use the quan. And then he stands up on like one foot, like Karate Kid style. <laughs> <laughs> he actually just messaged me the other day. He told me that he needs to, he needs to teach everybody how to use the quan. I was like, yeah, we could use it. <laughs> With everything right going on in the world right now, we could use the quan. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> oh, man. All right, brother. Well, thanks for having me. It's been great. All right. Take care, T-Dub. All right, buddy. See you later. Thanks, everybody. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss or at least reference This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer led by knowledgeable professionals. Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors, and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is, at each event, there are 100-plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.